shout out to the Lord already. Running. You ready for church? Where are my young people at? Y'all ready to get, get your church on? My God. Woo. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you that nothing else matters but your presence. Lord, we thank you that in your presence, Lord, you minister, Lord. Lord, you reach the deepest places where we don't even like to talk about because they just, it's just hard, Lord. Hurting places, wounds, brokenness. I thank you, Lord. I speak healing right now in the house. Mentally, emotionally, physically. Things of the past. Be gone in Jesus' name. I thank you for the new today, Lord. I thank you for the new that has come, Lord. I thank you, Father God, as my brother was obedient to share, Lord, about repenting of our sins. Your word reminds us, Lord God, that when we repent of our sins, Father God, that there's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. We sense your wind. We sense your refreshing. We sense your rain, Lord. Thank you for coming in that, in that place, in that rain, in that wind, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. I pray that one that's weary this morning, refresh them, Lord. I pray that one that almost didn't make it here this morning, but are here today, Lord, refresh them, Lord. Lord, I pray that one that's hurting because of a loss, Lord, I pray, Lord, even now that you will restore and renew them, Lord. Lord, I pray that one that came this morning, not even wanting to come, but, but just came out of habit, Lord, refresh them today. Lord, I pray you remove every veil and every scale from the eyes. Open every ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord will say today. Lord, we're your body. We're your bride. We're open today to hear you, Lord, to hear you today, Lord God. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of once again coming into your house, oh God, opening ourselves to receive all that you have for us. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and let us not just be hearers of our word, but let us be doers of the word this morning, Lord God. Thank you this morning, Father God. Father, I ask you this morning to anoint my clay lips. Anoint me, Father God, that I might just speak what you spoke, Lord. Lord, none of this is new. Everything is from you, Father God. Father, I pray that you would just anoint me to convey your message to your people. And may they receive the message, Lord, and bypass the messenger, Father God. Bless, Father God, our ears to hear your word this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you give God a praise? Amen. Wow. Well, Bishop, First Lady Lane, it's a privilege for me to be here today and to be able to open the word of God. I want to acknowledge a guest that's with me, traveling with me. It's my, my son, Joshua Cruz, in whom I'm well pleased, proud of. Uh, he's, I just want to acknowledge him. My wife couldn't be here with me today. But I do want to say if I was worshiping, I was just thinking about the goodness of God, Bishop. And, and I was a sinner and bound by sin. I, I was a drug addict. I was, I was just messed up, y'all. I was tore up from the floor up, like they say. You know, I was a, a teenager in Brooklyn, New York, needing direction, needing help. And the only people that taught me how to live is people that knew how to roll a blunt. Because that's the only cue I have for life. But thank God that somebody told me about Jesus. And so when I came to sunny Florida, Orlando, and I saw the palm trees and the blue skies, I thought that was salvation. But how many of you know I found Paramore? 
I found downtown real quick. But somebody who had a real encounter with Jesus Christ, Pastor Lane, told me, you don't have to live that way no more. Because I know somebody that set me free. And that somebody can set you free. I was only 18 years old. And I was like, who is this guy? I didn't know who this person was, but I sensed something real. I sensed what I know now to be the anointing and the love of God. And I was thinking, man, whatever this guy want, what has, I want. And it was at that time when I was addicted to cocaine and a lot of other stuff, I went into a program called Teen Challenge. My son was three months old. I had to let my son with my wife, you know, and I had to get this thing right. And I want to say that next month, my son's going to celebrate 18 years. And I've been free ever since. I went to Teen Challenge. I, I got so saved. You know, some people get saved. But I got so saved, I fell in love with Jesus. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because when you fall in love with Jesus, it's hard to backslide. Because he'll grab you by the back of your neck. And he'll pull you back into his kingdom. And he says, I love you so much that I'm not going to just let you go. I want to let you know something, young people. You're not sitting up in Sunday morning church by coincidence. God has called you for this generation for such a time as this. And I want to say that God is raising up an army of young people that are radical and will worship God. It's spirit in you. So get ready. Amen. Get ready. And God just changed. Then I started getting connected with crazy people that were just crazy in love with Jesus, like Bishop and Pastor Frank and other people. And, and we was like, we just wanna, we just wanna reach this city for Christ. And that's all it was about, and that's all it still is about, amen. And as I read the, 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 the vision of the house to reach the lost and to please God with our everyday life, that's what it's about, amen. And so today I want to bring a word to you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. The atmosphere is activated. Amen. And I speak acceleration and there's an acceleration in this house. There's an advancement in this house. I mean, you can even see it. And so um, I'm excited about what God's going to do this year. This year. This year. It's going to happen this year. If you're ready for the word of God. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I believe having fun in the house. Amen. I believe the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I believe in having fun in the house of the Lord. Glory to God. You know, this is, I want to say again, Bishop, it's an honor to be here today. This is the beginning of the year. The very beginning. Some of you still writing 2009 on your check. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> But um, this is the beginning of the year. And in the beginning of the year, you know, this is a time of the year that everybody gets reflective. Everybody gets introspective. Everybody starts thinking about the future and, and setting new goals, amen, and, 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 and self-examining ourselves. And, and we begin to uh, make new goals and new plans. How many of you have uh, some New Year's resolutions? Let me Come on, don't be shy. Let me see your hand. Some of y'all ain't lifting your hand because y'all already, already stopped doing it. <laughs> Come on. You was like, I did, but. But anyway, um, you know, this is the time of year where we begin to, to really focus. This is a new year. God, what are you saying? What are you wanting to do in my life, in my family? Lord, what are you leading? What are you guiding? What are you saying, Lord? 
Amen. And this is a new year. This is a new beginning. Every year is a new beginning. Not only is this a new year, this is a new decade. This is a new decade. This is 2000. This is 2010, y'all. That sounds even futuristic, right? 2010. My God. But we here, the body of Christ, alive and well. Amen. This is a, this is a, this is a new year. And in the new year, a lot of times people begin to think about eating right, getting, getting your exercise on. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all joined the gym again. Hello. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all trying new diets. Come on. New, new triets and new liets. You know what's a liet? A liet is a diet that doesn't work after you buy it and try it. Come on, how many of you had a, a, a liet before? It, it's, a, it's a new diet. Come on, you, the, new, the new diet. But after you buy it and try it, it, excuse me, it don't work. Amen. But I have a word from the Lord for you this morning, church. And the title of my message is Fit for the Kingdom. God has called us as the body of Christ to get fit for the kingdom. Because the Bible says that the kingdom suffer violence, but the violent take it by force. The word force means stamina. It means strength. It means, it means to have power. You see, we can't do kingdom work without God's strength. We can't do king. I mean, we can do church in our own strength. But how many know we're tired of doing church? We're tired of playing church. We're called to kingdom work. We're called to be kingdom people. Amen. There's a difference of being kingdom people or just playing church. Come on. How many of you ready to be kingdom people and do kingdom work? Amen. And so we called it for kingdom work. And so with that comes a strengthening. And God says, I need my body to get fit for the kingdom of God. I need my body to get activated for the kingdom of God. Bishop, when we began to sing that song, I've come running. I, I want that song to be our closing song because really that's what it's about. It's about running for the kingdom of God. Come on. How many of you got people that, how many of you running for the kingdom of God, running for the things of God? Come on. We need to be about the kingdom business this year. We need to be kingdom focused. And so God says to his body, body, <laughs> Because, you know, it's Jesus, the head, and, and the body. Amen. You're going to get that visual. He says, body, it's time to get fit. Look at the person next to you say, it's time to get fit. You see, because what God wants to do in you and through you, you got to get fit. This church is too small for what God wants to do. And we've got what God is saying, I want to get you ready for what's in store. This is, this, this is how God does his people. He says, I want to get you ready because when it happens, you are already ready. You know, you're not caught off guard because we hear Bishop all the time talking about the vision, the vision. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it, it kind of gets repetitive. But God says, I want you to get ready because when it happens, it's not going to catch you off guard. You're going to be ready to run with the vision. You're going to be ready to do what I've called you to do. You're going to be ready to make a difference. Amen. Come on, you, this, this youth group is going to blow up to be 200. You got to be ready now that you're 40. Hello, somebody. This church, when it's going to be, you got to get ready now when it's 2,000. You got to get ready now. See, these are the leaders of the future. So God said, for you, we've got to get fit for the kingdom. And then my wife was here today. She would look at me and go, you're getting too excited too soon. Should be like, slow down, slow down. Still got some time. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm just stirred about what God is doing, amen? 
So what makes us fit for the kingdom? Chapter 9 in, in Luke, verse 62. Look, look with, with me in the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to start at verse 57 because I love the word. Amen. How many love the word? And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, Lord. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow me to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere you go the kingdom of God. The message that God has called us to proclaim, church, is the message of the kingdom of God. It's not our message. It's not another man's message. It's the message of the kingdom of God. And in order to, 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 to preach the message of the kingdom of God, we must be fit in the spirit. We must be ready and we must be empowered by God to do this task. Amen. And verse 61, it said, another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those in my home or those in my neighborhood. And Jesus said these profound words in verse 62. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is what? Fit for the kingdom. He said, no one after putting his hand to the plow, putting his hand to the work, putting his hand to the call, putting his hand to the task that's needed to be completed. Because you got to understand, God is a God who's, who, who chose you. He chose the church to complete the task, to complete the work. And he said, no one putting his hand to the plow after looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This new year, church, God is saying, you can't look back in 2009. 2009 could have been great. There would have been some deaths and been some ups and downs. Come on, somebody. You've been through some trials, through some, some tribulations, through some tears. Come on, somebody. You've been through some hard times, but you know what God said? God says, I'm gonna ready, I'm ready to get you fit. I'm finished to get, I'm finna get my body fit. For 2010 and beyond. Everyone say beyond. God says what happened last year was great, but I'm ready to blow your mind what I'm going to do this year. I wish I had a witness in the house that God was saying, as you put your hand to the plow, you see those that were laying in the altar, that's what they were doing. They had let go of the plow at one point, but now they're saying, I'm putting my hand back on the plow, God. And that's what keeps us fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. So Christ was telling his believers, he was saying, Christ was saying, listen, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. We have no time to think about all, that, all the, tragedies, uh, the tragedies that happen. As a matter of fact, the Lord would say to some of us that I'm going to turn your tragedies into strategy. I'm going to turn your pain into plans. You see, because nothing that happens to us happens w w without a purpose. Some, somebody's sitting right here and you have pain in your life, wounds, and, and you're going through maybe some hard time. And God says, I'm going to even take that pain and I'm going to bring about a purpose that you would have never had thought. Because sometimes we ask God, why am I going through this? And God says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that though you're going through it, I'm going to turn it around for your good. Come on, Romans 8.28. 
I'm going to turn what you're going through around for the good. Amen. So Jesus was telling his disciples, listen, I need people to run with me. Because if I let you go back, you might not come back. Hello. If I let you go back to the hood, you might get, you might, you might catch a flashback and, get, and go to jail. I might have to bail you out at 33rd Street. Anyway, he said, I can't let you go back. Not you anyway. Oh, I got, you know, they were making all these excuses why to go back. Church, we don't have no excuses to go back and live in 2009. He's saying, put your hand to the plow because what I have in 2010 is, is, is better. It's better. Come on, you have to believe that what God has, it's better. The Bible said it all through the book of Hebrews. There's a better place. They look for a better thing. They, it's better. Amen. Look at the person next to you say, it's better. 2009 is going to be better. I know some of us is like, oh, yeah, really? It is. It's better. I'm believing with you. I'm believing for you. It's going to be better. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So Jesus said, listen, we're moving forward. This thing is about momentum. This thing is about movement. This thing is about activation. It's about moving forward, going forward. There is no time to even look back. We got to move forward. Amen? Jesus was activated. He was, he was engaged. He was always involved, and he's selling his body right now. It's time to get fit, church. It's time to get fit for the kingdom, and he's, looking, he's not looking for contracts. He's looking for commitments. Come on. He said, if you would just be committed, I can show you what the kingdom of God is all about. Amen? Commitment. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. Verses 7 through 8. First Timothy, I'm going to load you up with the word of God because the Bible says that the word of God, it, heaven and earth, earth pass away, but the word remains forever. Amen. So if I never come back, you're going to remember about me giving you as much as scripture I can give you. Amen. The word of God is powerful. Are you with me? First Timothy 4 verses 7 through 8. So God is calling us to be fit for the kingdom. He's calling us to exercise. Everyone say exercise. Don't worry, I don't have a plan on how to teach you how to get buff. I'm not here for that. I'm talking spiritually, amen? <laughs> the word exercise is an act of employing or putting into play in order to train, strengthen, or develop. God is saying, I want to put my body, I want to employ them, I want to put them into play that they may train, that they may strengthen, that they may be developed. I'm going to say that again. God is saying to his body, come on somebody, his body, he says, I'm going to put you into play. He says, body, I'm going to train you. Body, I'm going to strengthen you. Body, I'm going to develop you. God is calling us to train so that we can reign. Amen? Is that too many times we want to reign, but we don't want to train? Come on, somebody. Too many times we want to rule, but we don't want to submit. Too many times we want to, we want to, we want to do great things, but we don't want to do the small things that God calls us to. And isn't a small thing that, that God teaches how to, to be developed and how to be disciplined. Amen. And so 1 Timothy, we, we find in 1 Timothy here a young pastor as well with a young church. And in 1 Timothy 4, 4 verses 7 through 8, look at this. He says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables. Fit only for old women. And other, on the other hand, he, said, he says here, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only for little profit. Come on, somebody. But godliness is profitable for all things. I'm going to say that again. He said discipline is only a little profit. 
He said, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds the promise for the present and also for the life to come. The promise for the present today and the life to come tomorrow. There's nothing about yesterday there. You, do you see that? Discipline is about today. Discipline is about regimen. It's about being trained. It's about getting focused. It's about getting serious. It's about getting real about today. Amen. And it's about saying, I'm, I'm engaged and I'm going to be focused and what God has called me to do, what God has called me to be. That's what discipline is. It's about being focused. It's about being centered. It's about being having a, a, a laser focus on what God has called us to be. And if you don't know what that is specifically, you have a leadership. You have a, a leadership here covering over you that you need to follow that. You need to believe that that's what God is speaking through them. And you can stay focused on that right there and know that God will begin to speak to you through the leaders in your life. Amen. That's really important. So here he says, for bodily discipline is only for little profit, but godliness profits all things since it holds the promise between the present and the life to come. Between the present and the life to come. God is wanting to get us ready, amen? He's wanting to get us ready. And, and God says, you know, are you ready to be ready? Are you? He says, I'm ready. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in the Bible, he said, the harvest is ready. The question is not if the harvest is ready, Bishop. The question is not if the harvest is ready, church. The question is, are we ready? That's why he wants us to get fit for the kingdom. So that when we see the harvest, we're engaged and we're, we're alive, we're vibrant, we're aware, we're attuned, we're discerned, and we can go after it. Amen? Because the harvest doesn't come in unless we go after it. Are you hearing me? And so the first thing I want to say to you, the first point here is I want to say that it's time to work out. Anyone say it's time to work out? Do you know the Bible speaks about working out? Come on, some of you are getting convicted. I'm not talking about physical workout. Remember now, we're saying that's between you if you didn't keep going to the gym. I'm not talking about that. This is the word of God, amen? Somebody say it's time to work out. It really is. And this is what God is saying to the body. It is time. To work out. Come on, we need to, some of us need to get off our Christian uh, potato couches. Come on. And start working out. Say, Pastor Ruben, what do you mean by working out? What do you mean by working out? I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Glory, we're going to park ourselves there for a little bit. I'm here, you know, as I was preparing this message, Bishop, I was thinking, you know, the body of Christ does need to be taught. Because this is what happens a lot of times. When there is a lot of preaching, which is good, I love preaching, we get so emotionally engaged that we lose the principles. And so when we lose the points because we're so, oh, you know, we, 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 we leave and we, always go, we, we don't have the principles to go back and apply. You understand what I'm saying? We need the principles to understand them. So when we leave the house of God, we know what to do Monday. We know what how to live Tuesday. We know where not to go on Saturday. Hello, somebody. We know we know the word of God. We we understanding what the word of God says, and we understanding. And when we understand the word of God says, then we can please God because we know what He wants of us. It's important to, to be engaged in the word of God, amen. And so here the Bible says, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. 
He said, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, anyone say obeyed, not as much in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, my God. He said, as much as you have obeyed, not only when I'm with you, come on, you give me all the praise reports when I'm with you, but what about when I'm not with you? Amen, church? He says, obey, not as much in my presence only, but, but also in my absence. What it goes on to say, work out. Somebody say, work out. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. He says, it's time to work out. Work out what? Our salvation. What is our salvation? Is that experience? Is that time that we got right with God? Is that time that we was full of sin and God says, I'm going to remove your sin and you're going to be mine. Amen. Is that time that we came to the altar and surrendered our lives to God and we received them by grace through faith? Not by works shall any man boast. Amen. We came to him dirty and we came to him in, in bondages and in chains. We came to him broken, busted, disgusted. Come on, we came to him hurting. Amen. Do you remember? Come on, some of us have spiritual amnesia. You know what I mean? I know how I came to him. Come on, somebody. I crawled to the feet of Jesus because I didn't even have strength anymore. And he picked me up and he washed me white as snow. Shh not like being clean by the blood amen that's the salvation and he says before the body can really be fit and be activated and go and touch this world and touch the community and touch the city we got to get back to our first love and remember how it used to be when we first were saved how we used to be totally surrendered and abandoned to him and not even care who was watching watching us because we were just so in love with the lord come on do you remember when you first got saved was three of three, four of you. Do you remember? See, that's been a while ago. Do you remember when you first got saved? You see, we're so focused on God, use me now. He's saying, remember when you first got saved? Because when you, if you think about when you first got saved, that's when he really used to use you. When I first got saved, I used to want to pray for everybody, y'all. I was 18 years old. I was so crazy. I was, I want, oh man, my dog's sick. Let me pray for your dog. Glory to God. You know, come on. My car's breaking down. God's going to heal this thing in Jesus' name. You know, just I would just pray for anything because I was just so in love with Jesus. Amen. And it wasn't even about wearing big Jesus T-shirts. I really wasn't into that. Amen. I really, I really wasn't even into that whole T-shirt thing. But I just wanted, you know, we're living epistles, lived out by God. Amen. And, and so that people might see. And so God said we need to get back to the salvation Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know what happens when we haven't worked out for a while? Our muscles are sore. Amen. Come on, somebody. You ever haven't worked out for a while and you go to the gym? The next day you come like, oh, man, I'm hurting. Come on, I'm bruised up. Come on. Y'all know what I'm so. Some of y'all some some of y'all right there right now. And you're like, yeah. We need to get back to our first love. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this. God exhorts us. He encourages us. He coaches us to diligence and to seriousness in this Christian, Christian course. He, ex he encourages us to seriousness. This is a day of seriousness. This is a day of focus. This is a day of being fervently focused. Come on. So do we see what's going on in the world? 
See what's happening in the nation of Haiti and all over the world and even in our nation. This is a time to get serious. And when, G when God said this message to the church, he said to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, he's saying it's time to get serious. It's time to get serious about our salvation. It's time to get serious about this thing called, called Christianity. It's time to get serious about our witness. It's time to get serious about our prayer. It's time to get serious about our word reading. It's time to get serious. Someone say serious. Someone shout serious. That's what he said in the word when he said, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. The fear is not that we are scared of God. The fear is that we have reverence for God. Come on. This is a day and age that a lot of the church have lost the reverence of God. I remember when I was not saved. Come on, somebody. I used to go to Catholic church. Some of y'all was raised in the Catholic church. I don't know. There's something about the Catholic church when I was a kid. It was like we can be bugging. Out. Hey, yeah, yeah. When you walk through the threshold, mm, Yo, whatever they say, you know. Mm. And then you come back and I say, hey, yo, yo, what's going on? You know, yeah, bro. Yeah, you go back and say, mm. It was just a reverence. I mean, we laugh, but that's how it was. Amen? That's how it was. You just, it was just, I hear some keep me. Mm. I just, I just, there was just, a, and God is saying, there needs to be a reverence for the things of God. When you get in your word and you know, God, this is God's word speaking, speaking to us. When you get in a time of prayer, come on, it's time to get connected with God again. When it's time to, when, God, when, when Bishop calls us to a time of fasting, it's time to really get serious with God. Come on, this is a time to get serious with God, amen? He says, work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. The trembling is, this is serious. You know, I might be bugging out and everything up here, but th this, this is serious. This really is. I walk with the Lord. You know why it's so serious? Because people are watching you. People, people that, are, that are unsaved, that if they die today can go to hell, are watching your walk. Remember when I first got saved, my family was watching me. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Some of y'all know where y'all are there now. Come on. Oh, he's just going through a phase. He's going through that church thing. You know what? Can I tell you, can I share a testimony with you? Some of the people I used to smoke weed with in my family right now are saved. Going to church. It didn't happen in one year. It didn't happen in three years. But now these are the same people that are answering the phone saying, praise the Lord. Amen. Some of y'all need to believe that for your family members. Amen. Why? Because they're watching us work out. Work out. When you're working out and you're getting results, people say, hey, you look kind of good there, you know. Man, I see that change. Hello. When we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, people seeing the change in our lives. They say, I don't know what it is, but you ain't, used, you ain't into what you used to be into. Come on. I don't know what it is, but you're not running with the same. I really don't know. You kind of even smell different. You kind of even dress different. You're not even talking right anymore. You are talking right. You just used to talk wrong. I got I to gotta keep on to my Woo! My family used to be like, Rubensito, esta iglesia, pero tu babel. My grandma now, she's like, ay, el señor el bueno. Amen? Because she remember when I was doped up, when I was running the streets, when I was doing crime, when I was running crazy, amen? 
And now she sees her, ah, Señor Lebrano. And the family's coming to the Lord. And I say that because there's some of you that are there right now. And God says, hold on. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This house is going to be full because of your life. Most people in your family are not going to come because you preach until they're going to come because you're living it out. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It's our salvation I'm talking about. The most precious thing, the greatest miracle that there ever is, is salvation. Do you know that? I believe in healing. I believe in deliverance. Believe me, I believe in deliverance. But the greatest miracle is salvation. And God says we need to get back to working it out with fear and trembling. That means, young person, when you, if you say, when you, get, when you get in your school on Monday, you walk in fear and trembling. When you get in your school campus, come on, somebody, you walk with, in, in other words, you walk knowing that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. Come on, somebody. Come on, young girl. That brother walks up to you and be like, hey, can I kick it to you? He's like, kick it to me. I, I belong to somebody. Oh, who you rapping? Who, who you? I belong to some. Who do you belong to? His name is Jesus. I bet that brother will run. Come on, somebody. He'll be like, I got to go. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Who fear and trembling with great care, with circumspection, checking ourselves. Fear is a great guard against sin. Fear is a great guard against sin. Fear not being afraid, reverence. Because when you have reverence, you watch where you walk, you watch where you go, you watch what you do, you watch what you see, you watch what you listen to, you watch who you connect with, you watch yourself. That's fear and trembling. Hey, let's do it. I can't, man. I can't, I can't be about that no more. Amen? Fear and trembling. Number two, the first one is what? Time to work out. Amen? Number two, it's time to lift weights. Come on, somebody. It's time to lift weights. So I say lift weights, lift weights. Lift weights. Galatians chapter 2. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 2. Everything's got to be biblically based. Amen. Galatians chapter 2. But God still can convict you to renewing that membership to the gym. That's what he wants to do. That's, you know. Galatians chapter 2. Let's start at verse 1. Man, I love the word of God. The word of God demands a response. Glory to God. Somehow said that somewhere. Verse 1. Listen to this. I love this. I love this. I love this. It's time to lift weights. Someone, someone say, it's time to lift weights. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass or any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one of you looking to each to yourselves, lest you too be tempted. God is saying here, when someone fails, when someone falls, when someone messes up, the church, the last thing the church needs to do is judge them. The church needs to just be careful about themselves and then reach out to them with gentleness. The church needs to, when someone fails and falls, the church needs to be careful about ourselves, walking in fear and trembling, salvation and fear and trembling. But then we need to reach out with gentleness, reach out with love, reach out with care. Come on, when a doctor takes care of somebody that broke their arm, he doesn't say, come here, let me see that thing. <laughs> he don't say that. He says, okay, where does it hurt? Does it hurt here? Come on, somebody. When somebody fails and falls, that's how the, the, Bible, the body needs to be. The Bible speaks about gentleness, amen. We restore, not speak about them or speak against them, but we restore them with the spirit of gentleness, each looking to ourselves and even doing that, we have to be careful of ourselves that we don't even fall. 
that we don't fall because we're not too good that we can't fall. Come on, somebody. We can't, we, come on, because if we're about reaching loss, everywhere we go is slippery when wet. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, it's just slippery everywhere because everybody's falling. Amen? But look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, he's saying lift other people's burdens. Lift other people's loads. Lift other people's weights. Lift other people's luggage, things that other people are carrying. Come on, somebody. Lift other people's uh, uh, situations. We was praying for someone this morning that a family, family member passed, someone who's going through. Come on, we, there's so many people going through a lot of different things you will never even know. Come on, we, we're dressed in our Sunday best, but we don't even know what's going on in our lives. But lifting other people's loads, lifting other people's weights, as the body of Christ, we're called to lift weights of other people that are hurting and broken and bruised. Why? Because one day you're going to be, you're going to need a, a weight lifted from you. That's what the body is about. Amen. We even call to be bodybuilders, <laughs> lifting each other's up, lifting each other up, edifying, encouraging, strengthening with words of adoration and words of admonishment and encouragement. Lifting each other's weight, amen? People are carrying heavy loads, church. The sick need to be cared for. If somebody's sick, then as a church, we can cook them a meal. Call them, simple things. I'm telling you, that goes a long way. It goes a long way. You think it doesn't. If I get sick, I'll call you, bring me some rice and beans. Come on, somebody. It comes a long way. You might have to drive a long way, but you're blessed, brother, Amen. Visit those that are in jail. Some of us have family members there. Oh, he should have Jesus. Yeah, he's the only Jesus he's going to see is you. Reach out to those that are hurting. Single-parent mothers. People that are going through hard time. Come on, fatherless teens. People that are struggling with issues. Come on, somebody. We need to be sensitive. Amen. That's lifting weights of other people, carrying other people's loads. What can I do for you? How can I pray for you? I was thinking about you. Come on. When somebody comes to your mind, that's not, that's not the Taco Bell you ate last night. That's the Holy Spirit saying, call them because they might be going through something. You see, sometimes we think that that's the role of the pastor. No, that's not. Of the, the role of the leaders is to prepare to get the word of God, and, and yet we can visit people. But God says, I want to work my body. Come on. I want to get my body activated because when somebody gets sick, they're going to be visiting. When somebody gets in trouble, somebody's going to be there to lift them up. When somebody's going through pain, somebody's going to comfort them. When somebody's going through a hard time, come on. You know, when I first got saved, my family thought that when you get saved, you don't got no problems. I think when you get saved, you get more problems. <laughs> Why? Because the enemy comes at us even more. Amen. So it's time to lift weights. Amen. Say lift weights. You know somebody in your life right now that needs a weight lifted. I know that for sure. The problem is a lot of times we're thinking about ourselves so much. Every person in this room right now knows one person that needs a weight lifted. A card you can send. A call you can send. A visit you can send. It's something, something. Everybody here, somebody here knows, knows. You know somebody. God even right now, God even right now has brought them to your remembrance. Be obedient. Be obedient. There's a person even here today, God's put on your heart, but you never follow through. Follow through. We got to walk in that, 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 that sensitivity, amen, to lift other people's weights. You know why? Because Jesus set that example. 
He said, my, you, he said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened. I will, I will lift your heavy burdens. Come on, come to me, those who are heavy laden. Amen. I will make your low light, he says. Your burdens light, he says. And because Christ lives in us, that's what we're called to do for others. Amen. Number three, it's time to eat right. Everyone say eat right. You know, I want to tell you, church, that these are principles. I'm not running up and down the pews yet. But these are principles that if we catch them and embrace them and hold them, it would change our lives. It would change us personally. It would change the body. It would change how we do things, how we view things, how we, how we, how we think of things. It would change us. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 6, Matthew 5 and 6, Pastor alluded to this a little earlier. Matthew 5 and 6, one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Matthew 5 and 6. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus was teaching on the Beatitudes. And he says this. He says, blessed are those who hunger, everyone say hunger, and thirst for righteousness. There is a hunger, church, that the body has. There is a hunger. And the Bible says that blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied or they will be filled. There's a hunger that God says we need. You see, because we're always eating something, not physical now, speaking spiritual. We're always ingesting. We're always taking in something. Come on, the things of this world, the influences of this world, the culture, the media, it's hitting us at, second, at seconds. It's just, come on, especially young people, we're constantly being bombarded. You got the iPod, the iTouch. You got everything. You got your eye on you. I mean, it's everything. You got ear candy, eye candy. You just, it's just hitting us. As soon as you walk out the door, it's like a technology just Boom, you're just like, man, where's my eye? Where's my cell phone? Where's my, you know, before it used to be, you know, you know what I'm saying? Come on, young people. It's just got the MySpace, Facebook, this and that. And, you know, man, I haven't even gotten dressed yet. I'm thinking about all this stuff I got to do. God understands that that has to do with hunger. It has to do with appetite. It, happens, it has to do with the things that you take in and digest in your system that you listen to. And God says they that hunger for and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. You know why? Because nothing in this world can satisfy like God. Nothing in this world, come on, not the newest, not the latest, come on, not the, because once you buy that $200 iTouch thing, you know, six months later, now they got an iTalk, come on, somebody. Now you don't touch it, you talk to it, come on, come on, somebody. hello, six months later, you, you know, I'm still, I'm still getting over paying the one for my child. I'm trying, this is intergenerational, I'm trying to keep it, you know, man, this Christmas is rough, you know what I'm saying? This new technology, you know, it's just like, man, whatever happened to Legos? You know what I'm saying? That's what I play with. That's not fair. <laughs> no, just anyway, there's a hunger. There's a thirst. And this is a generation who just can, can take, consume all that. Parents, we need to train our children and help them about being, hung being hungry for the things of God. Train them and help them about being what worship is about, what prayer is about, what being in the word is about. It's okay to have those other things, but they can't be more important than the main thing. Amen.
it's okay to have nice things, but it can't be more important than the main thing. And so here, speaking about having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, we're talking about a kingdom craving. We're talking about this. This, this is different. Most church not even talking about this stuff, but this is having a craving for the kingdom of God. This is for having an appetite for the things of God. This is, this is the type of thing that you can go to a place and it don't appeal to you because you're so in the spirit that it's like, mm, not really, it's, it don't fit with my diet. It just, you know, it's not, it's going to mess me up. You ever go to a place, <laughs> you ever go to a place and you look at the food and you go, Mm, I can't do. I can't. I can't eat that because I know, I know I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna hurt me later. It's, that's gonna hurt me later. You know what I'm saying? And the hard thing about Latinos is that when you come over to their house, you gotta eat whatever they serve because if you don't, you ain't coming back. That's just a cultural thing, right? So when you know, for me, it's like I'm gonna have to eat it, but I know I'm gonna pay for it later. You know, but um. But the word of God speaks about there being a craving, there being an appetite for the things of God. Can I tell you, young people, because when we are eating from the table of the world and we're eating all this junk food, come on, somebody. When it's time to come to the house of God and there's fresh meat and fresh bread, we're sitting in the house without an appetite because we already ate and we're full of junk food. The Bible says that there's a table of the Lord. And then there's the table of the world. That's why the Hebrew boys, they said, you know what? Even if they throw me in the fire, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to eat the king's delicacies. In other words, he said, I'm not going to eat the things of the world because I'm going to eat the things of God. I'm going to be about the things of God. Amen? I remember as a kid, come on, I'd be outside playing. I was raised by my grandmother, old school. She's from Puerto Rico, you know, just, she cooking. You know, old, old, older folk, come on, the older generation, they be in the kitchen cooking all day. Come on, somebody, they just be, they used to cook all day. Now it's kind of like, man, just go in there and get a Pop-Tart, you know what I mean? Just, but back in the day, it was like, you came home from school and that smell just smacked you. You'd be like, whoo, I'm going to eat good today, you know? But anyway, I would go back outside, and we'll be eating now later. Come on, eat some now, save some for later. Come on. We used to eat, <laughs> hello, we used to eat some now later. I mean, we used to load up on bubble yum, delicious, all that good stuff. But by the time I got in the house, my grandma or my grandma would say, Rubensito, hora pa comer. And I'd be like, dun, 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 dun. Because I'm not hungry. Because I don't eat everything all through the day. And I got to sit at this table with this chuletas, rice and beans. Come on, somebody. Somebody go to, why you had to go there, Pastor? I'm hungry. And you know I'm fiddling with my food. I'm just fiddling with my food. No, no, this is real. This is real. I'm, I'm fiddling. I'm not, I don't have an appetite for what my grandmother worked all day cooking. I don't have an appetite for what my grandma was cooking in that it was such love. Come on, somebody. Because it goes beyond the sasong. Hello. There's love in there. Hello. She, she cooked all day long. And because I ate all this junk food. Come on, somebody. I'm looking at the food. And she looking at me like. But could that not be the pastor that sees you not with an appetite? You ain't worshiping. You ain't in the word. You're not even, you, you're not even on. Because you done ate stuff from the world. And we walk up in Sunday all full, and, and because we don't eat, we, we don't have a kingdom craving. We don't have a thing. Come on. We smell the bread, but oh, we can't eat it. 
We smell the food. The, the, the bishop, the leaders were praying and seeking God for a word all through the week and even fasting. And God spoke to them from the throne room of heaven. Come on, the youth pastor prepared. And he didn't have no time because he's got a busy life. But he's still prepared. And he got a word. And we're there looking through our text message. We in church, God's, God, God used God's man, the bishop, to put together a word from heaven. Oh, we can't partake of it. And we don't leave changed. We don't leave nourished. We don't leave full. We don't leave with strength. And then we go back into the world in our own strength. And God says, you ain't fail because there was no food. You fail because you didn't have an appetite. Well, God says today, amen, for this new year, it's time to get our appetite back. It's time to get a kingdom craving back. Come on. It's time to get, come on, get in the word of God. Come on, the meat, the bread. Come on. We understand some of you are drinking milk right now. Come on. Some of you are eating meat. Amen. But the word of God is going forth, and that's what happens in the house of God. That's what's happening today. So he says, have a thirst. You know, Psalm 42 says this. I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but Psalm 42 says this. David was adamant. He was passionate. He says, as the deer pants. You know what pants is? <sighs> the Bible says, some studies said that the deer was panting because the enemy of the deer was chasing it. And so the deer was panting for the water brook because he understood that the only thing that can nourish him is water. And so he panted for the water brook. He says, as the deer pants for the water, Lord, my soul thirsts for you, a living God. My soul, I understand that there's a soul appetite that only God can fill. You have an appetite in your soul that nothing in this world, young person, can fill. Not another girl, not another bike, not another car, not another new sneakers, not another watch, not another suit. Nothing in this world can satisfy that soul craving because that's reserved for God to fill. And that's why the, the, the word of God, he says, they that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. He said in the, in, in, in the book of Psalms 23 again, he says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because when he's your shepherd, other things of the world don't look as appealing as they used to. Amen? Have a hunger. Do you know how, when you have an appetite for the kingdom of God, church, you have a hunger for souls. You want to say souls. When you have a hunger for the kingdom of God, you have an appetite for souls. Jesus had that kind of hunger. Oh, my God. Jesus was no joke. I love Jesus. If you read Jesus of the Bible, come on. There was a time when he was walking, and they said that he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through there. It was divine, divine direction that the Lord, that God the Father led him. And he walked through Samaria because in Samaria there was a well. And at the well there was a lady. And that, and that lady had a life that was immoral. Come on, somebody. And when he encountered Jesus, when she encountered Jesus Christ, 
She said, would you, Jesus asked her, he said, would you give me something to drink? And she said, you're a Jew. You shouldn't even be talking to me. You want me to give you something to drink? He said, yes. She, he told her, he said, if you knew who it was that was asking you for something to drink, you would ask me for something to drink because I have living water. She says, you have living water. He says, yes, I have living water. She says, you must be a prophet. He says, yes, I'm a prophet. And, she, and, and he said, he began to tell her her story. He began to even tell her her life. He said, you've been with five husbands and the one that you're with now is not even your husband. And she was like, wow. <laughs> she was like, whoa, you are a prophet. He says, I am a prophet. And at that time, read the story is found in John chapter 9. At that time, Jesus' disciples went to town to go get food. Everyone say food. And they went to get food because Jesus got hungry too. Hello. He used to preach and walk everywhere. They didn't have Honda Accords back then. Come on. They said they walked in one accord, but they ain't driving one accord. Come on. Hello. So they walked everywhere. He preached. He laid hands. He preached the kingdom of God. He got hungry. He was the son of man and the son of God. Amen. He got hungry too. And so the disciples went off to get food. And I believe that it was to get them away so they wouldn't be a distraction to his purpose. Because a lot of times, you know, disciples can be a distraction to the kingdom work. That's another story. But anyway, so they went away, and Jesus' encounter with this lady, with the, what the world would call a prostitute. And he's telling her, if you drank the water I have, if you drank the water, it would satisfy that emptiness that you're trying to find in other men. It would satisfy the emptiness that you're trying to find in your life. And so she says, I want that water. And he says, you can have it. And he gives her the water. This is my version. I'm preaching, so this is my version. So he says, you can have it, and it's free. She says, it's free. Wow. Because a lot of times we think we got to pay for something that's free, but salvation is free. And she was a prostitute, and she wanted to be saved. And the Bible says that she went there in the noon of the day, the hottest time of the day, because nobody went there at the noon of the day. Everybody went there at night when it was cool. She went there when no one was around, because everywhere she went in public, people laughed at her because of her lifestyle, even the church. But Jesus didn't do that. And so the disciples come back. Check this out. The disciples come back and they say, Jesus, we went into town. Come on. And we got the food. We got the fishes and the loads. And we went up to uh, uh, Long John Silver's and we got the hookup. You know, we're back and we're ready to eat. And Jesus said, I already ate. What? You already ate? Then they're talking to each other. They were mad, man. We, we, you know, we walked far. They came back with food and he ate. They said one or two things. He had a stash. <laughs> or somebody brought him something to eat. Jesus knew what they were talking about. And Jesus said, I already ate. I have food that nobody knows about. You know what was his food? The moment she said yes to him, the moment she accepted his love and mercy, he was full with the things of God because he said, for this reason I have come. So when you are, there's something about somebody really getting saved. When you get out there, church, and you lead somebody to the Lord genuinely, authentically, you ain't even thinking about nothing else because you don't connect it with the angels that are rejoicing. You ain't thinking about food. You ain't thinking about the movie. You ain't thinking about what restaurant you're going to go to. You're thinking about, my God, they got saved. Kingdom craving. And so the disciples were so blown away. They was like, man, I didn't know it was like that. And they later on said, Jesus, teach us how to pray because, you know, you, you blew us away with that one. It's time to eat right, church. Young people, it's time to eat right. It's time to eat right. I'm not talking about food. It's time to eat right. Watch what you're watching. Watch what you're listening to. Come on. 
Jay-Z and, and all that other stuff. Let me tell you, it's not making you right. Eat of the things of God. Listen to the things of God. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Amen? My last point, it's time to run. Everyone say, it's time to run. When you sang that song, it just leaped on my spirit because that's what God has called us to. So it's time to work out. It's time to lift weights. It sounds, sounds like a, program, a plan, right? Time to work out. Time to lift weights. Come on, it's time to lift loads, and it's time, it's time to eat right, and it's time to run. That's the calisthenic part. Come on, somebody. It's time to run. Anyone say it's time to run? One I want to say is time to one run with the vision of the house. Some of you have been doubting the vision of the house, but you've been in the house. And the Lord will say to you, it's time to run with the vision of the house. Because there's a vision in the house. And the Bible says that I've given the man of God and the woman of God a vision of the house. That they, they have been obedient to make it plain. And the time has come that it's time to run and to make the vision come to pass. This year, it's time to run. I see everybody in here with sneakers on, Pastor. Everybody in here with sweatsuit. You can have, you can have your fila, your Jordan, whatever you want. But it's time to run, church. It's time to run, amen? <sighs> Hebrews chapter 12. Go with me to Hebrews chapter. Are you getting anything out of this? Listen, when I leave here today, I'm just like, I done preached myself happy. You know, thank you, Bishop, for the opportunity because it's just powerful for me just is a privilege every time I get to read the word of God. It just is. I just, you know, my wife texted me because she couldn't be here. She's like, just have fun. I'm like, honey, I'm going to have fun. She's like, just, just do your thing. I said, baby, I'm going to just, you know. I love the word of God because the word of God has changed my life. It really has. It really has. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Are you there? Say Amen. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, everyone say witnesses, surrounding us, let us also lay aside every hindrance and the sin. That's very important, church. Hindrances and the sin. Know what that says? That everything that's a hindrance is not sin. There's things in our life that's a hindrance. That is not sin. And a lot of times we think, well, that's not sin. It's not sin, but it's a it's not sin, but it's a So God is saying that I don't just want you to focus on sin. I want you to focus on hindrances too. Because hindrances, those are stumbling blocks and, and things in your life, the hurdles in your life that's going to keep you from running at the optimum level for the things of God. If we're always focusing on sin, that we can never grow. The Bible says that sin shall have no dominion. So there's going to be a time in our life that we have victory over sin. And then once we have victory over sin, there's still going to be hindrances. It's going to be hindrances until we make it to heaven. Come on, somebody. So he says, let us, let us run the race. Let us lay aside the weight. Let us lay aside the hindrances and the sin so that, and, and everything that easily entangles us. And let us run. Everyone say run. Run with endurance the race that's set before us. So he's saying, one, there's witnesses. Heavenly cloud of witnesses. Oh, my God. You know what that means? That means that there are people that used to be Christians and now are in heaven. And they're on the sidelines cheering us on. I don't know about you, but that's hope. Because I have people in my life that live for God and are long, longer here today. But the Bible said that they are watching me run my race. They are watching me run my race. Amen? 
For that person that lost a loved one, if they were believing, I believe that they were. They're watching you. They're watching your family, and they're saying, run, run. Don't stop running. Run. If you can ever hear the voice of that person say, run, keep serving the Lord. Keep living for God. Run. Amen? That's what it means, a great cloud of witnesses. There's people looking down from heaven, and they're cheering us on, and they're saying, don't get out the race. Keep running with perseverance, but let go of the things that are holding you back. Come on, we need to let go of the things in 2009 that's keeping us from running in 2010. Can I get a witness, somebody? There's some of you, sometimes we bring this baggage and this load with us. Come on, we're running with backpacks. I never see nobody on the marathon with backpacks. They have these skinny little, these skinny little uh, shorts that I think that's why I haven't run a marathon because I can't see myself wearing that, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, these little shorts and, and these tank tops with sneakers, and they don't have no backpack, no iPod. They're just running. And that's what we need to be like. No hindrances, no backpacks, no, no extra luggage. Come on, we need to leave it in 2009, amen? It's time to run. And, and you know the good thing about it, you don't even have to run with a bottle of water because the witnesses are throwing you water, that living water. Here you go. Oh, man, thank you, man. You know, I thought you was back, though. I'm saved. Come on. Run. Everyone say run. Woo. First Corinthians chapter 9, I'm wrapping this thing up. In the Pentecostal church, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying. Bishop, you going to have me back or you might not. I don't know. I'm just trying to be real. You know what I'm saying? It means nothing. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. You there? Somebody say run. I love that song, Running to You. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Run to me. Running to you, Lord. I'm running to you. Running to you, Lord. When we run to the Lord, he wants those hindrances. So when we get back in the race, we're free to run. Free to run. Come on, somebody here needs to be free to run. Those of you that were at the altar, God freed you to run. Come on. Ain't no time for hindrances and stumbling blocks. There is no time. The Lord will say that some of you had setbacks and even cutbacks and even situations in your life that you would never thought that was going to happen to you in 2009. But the Lord says, I'm going to restore to you what the enemy has stolen. I'm going to turn it around for you. But I need you to be obedient to my word. And in being obedient, I'm going to restore. I'm going to give you double for your trouble. You need to believe that. You need to believe that. He says, I see your tears. I see your pain. He says, don't ask why anymore. Ask who. He is him. It's about the Lord. Amen. First Corinthians 9, verse 24. You there? He says, do you not know? Do you not know? He's trying to bring an awareness to us, the body. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Everyone say all. But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you might win. Run in a way that you might win this thing. Run in a way. Come on, don't get in a race kind of be like, oh, I'm get in a race like I'm going to win this thing. Look at the person that you say, see ya. <laughs> Want one to be ya. Choo, hello, Speedy Gonzalez. Uh -uh. Come on, just Run. Run. Come on, you got to get that in your spirit. Run. This is a year to run with the vision. Run for the Lord. Run for the things of God. Get fit for the king. Dumb. I thought it was a running song there. I was about to run. Run. Everyone say run. That was good for a Presbyterian church. Run.
know somebody was chasing you with a knife or a gun, they'd be like, right. That's what God's talking about. Because when you're running with fear and trembling, your face might be looking like that. You'd be like, Verse 25, and everyone who competes in the games, this is powerful here. I'm going to break it down for a minute. Everyone who competes in the game exercises the self-control in all things. Speaking of discipline, that they do it, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Can I tell you what that means? This is speaking of Athens. This is exactly what's speaking about where the Olympics was birthed. And back then in the Olympics, there were no gold medals. There was a reef, a leaf reef that they would put on your head if you were, could you imagine, training and training and training, and then you make it after you ran your life out, and they go, here goes this leaf. Oh. And everybody like, yeah. They be like, hold on, let me fix my leaf hat, you know. That's what they did back then, and they did it with honor. Today is like all this, you know, what city are we going to have the Olympics? Listen, God is saying run in that such a way. He who competes in the games exercises self-control. Do you see that word exercises? If you're going to run with the Lord, if you're going to run to be fit for the kingdom, if you're going to do anything for the kingdom of God, young people, you've got to exercise self-control. Let me hear y'all self-control. That comes through the Holy Spirit. Self-control gives us the power to say no to godliness and yes to the things of God. Self-control. He says, run. Verse 26, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. He said, I got a target. I got a goal. I know I'm going to the finish line. Come on. Not halfway. I'm going all the way. Like my brother was talking about when I went to the club to get my groove on. Come on. I, I, I threw away my problems because I, I had a focus. I was going to the club. Come on. When we in the things of God, we didn't have a focus. You know, we'll be running this race to the finish till we get to heaven. Come on. Not till we're 18 and we can go to college and, and graduate from God. No. We need to step to the next level in God and step up in a college campus and go, God, put me on this campus and somebody's getting saved. Come on, somebody's going to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So he says, have that tenacity. And he says that I'm running in such a way, not without aim, but I have a focus. And then he goes on to boxing. He says, box in a way that is not beating in the air. He says, don't just box any old way. Come on, when you box, look to get somebody head off. Come on, knock somebody. When you box and have an aim, have a focus. Spanish men like boxing. I don't know why, but they just like that sport, you know. It's a box that you're going to knock the devil's head off. Come on. Knock the devil's head off. When it comes to your family, when it tries to bring division between you and your wife, when it tries to bring rebelliousness in your home, knock the devil's head off because he's the only enemy. Amen? He says that's how I box. I box. Not beating the air. Verse 27. Look at this. But I buffet. Your verse might, your, your translation might have a different translation. Here it says, I buffet my body or I discipline my body. The word buffet means is where you get the word buff. Come on, when you go to the gym, you get buff. Hello, somebody. It's where he says, he says, when I train, I'm, I'm, I'm buffing my body, my body to get buff and make it my slave. My body's not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell my body what to do. Come on, my cravings, my, you know, these temptations, they're not going to dictate my destiny and my life. I'm going to speak to them. No, you're not going to have dominion over me. Come on, somebody. 
I'm a, uh, he says, I'm a buffet. My body is where we get the word buff from. He says, I'm going to work out. I'm going to have regimen. I'm going to train to the rain. Come on, I'm going to do weights. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going I'm to reach out. I'm going to lift weights to other people. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to run right. I'm going to buff it. I'm going to train f- to be fit for the kingdom. Are you understanding that, church? He says, less possibly after I have preached to others, I myself am disqualified. He says, I'm going to buff it. I'm going to train. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to tell you a true story about one day I was at the gym trying to buff it my body. It's a true story, y'all. I'm not making this up. I was at the gym, and I was actually running. And I'm running on the, on the, on the conveyor with the, um, the treasure there. There you go. I'm running on that thing, and I got my iPod on. I got my iPod on, I'm pumping gospel in my, it's gospel, y'all. I got the gospel, I had Javen on, and here's a song, he has a song that says, I'm gonna take you higher. High. So after the two, first two minutes, I'm like, I'm not gonna do it, Lord. And, and then if, if you don't stop, you shift into a zone. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? There's a zone that you get into, and you're like, yeah, this feel good. And I'm gone, and I'm like, I'm gonna take you higher. And listen, it's 5 o'clock at the day, so everybody is there from work. And this lifestyle gym, and I'm just, I'm, I'm in the zone. I got my little bottle, got my sweatsuit on, my, my kicks, and got my little towel. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got everything, man. I'm just, you know, I think it might have been in, in January, the beginning of the year. To, you know, I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get healthy. And let me tell you, I was in the zone. I'm like, and when you're in the zone, you ain't worrying about nobody. You're just, you in it. And, um, and all of a sudden, y'all, my, my shoestring went loose. Woo, so I'm, I'm running, I'm going to take you. My shoestring went loose. I hit my shoestring. It happened so fast. I went boom, boom, zip, bow. I mean, I was messed up, y'all. My headset flew over there. Everything was everywhere. I was dizzy like this. The conveyor belt was going like this. And a brother from the church that I went to, he was actually, this is the second level, he was actually walking up the stairs when I was all over the place. And he said, it was like a megaphone, y'all. He was like, Pastor Ruben. story y'all and I'm all, you know I'm just all over the floor people looking at me and I'm like you know and I'm still hearing I'm gonna take you higher and I'm like oh my god and so I get up and you know I had to pick my face up from the floor my face was red but you probably couldn't tell because I'm dark skinned but my face was red Anyway, I got up, man, and I, I just didn't want to look at nobody man I, I just went downstairs and I got my composure and um and, and I was trying to buffet my body, y'all, but you know what? I have not stopped running, glory to God. I have not stopped running. I just don't run on that demonic thing no more. I'm on the elliptical. Come on. I'm on, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't get on that thing no more. Actually, my son, he's on that thing. I jump rope now, right? But he's on that thing. I'd be like, I'm going to stay away from that thing, man. You get ahead. You do your thing, Josh. I'm going to stay away from that thing because I really believe that, you know, the enemy tried to set me up <laughs> to fall. <laughs> you know how we do. That was the enemy, man. That was the enemy. No, you know, it's either, get, it's either getting on the elliptical or buying me some Velcros. You know, I ain't going there. So, true story. Church, we call the run this race. We call the run, if we can get the musicians up. We call the run the race, church. Run the race. And I want to tell you something right now, church. If I can get your attention, young people, I want to tell you something right now. 
2009 must have been a rough year. Could have been a rough year. Could have been your best year. But no matter what kind of year it was, it's over with. Amen? This is a new year. This is a new day. And the Lord was saying that he wants to get his body fit. He wants to get his church, his bride fit for this last day. Young people, listen to me. God wants you to train for him. He wants you to be at your best for him. He wants to use you mightily. And all you have to say is, yes, Lord, here I am. I want to train. I want to do what you called me to do. I want to be a light. I want to reach my generation. I want to reach my family. I want to reach my co-workers. I want to reach my neighborhood. I want to reach my city. He says, if you want to do that, you got to train. You got to be fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit, the acronym stands for being faithful in training, being faithful in the word, being faithful. Come on, faithful. That means that being faithful, we need to pray with greater fervency. Amen. We need to witness with a greater bonus. We need to study with more discipline. We need to serve with more diligence. We need to give with more purpose. It's what he's called us to, church. It's what he's called us to. It's what he's called us to. Just begin to worship right now. Just give God your attention. Give God, begin to worship God right now. God wants to do something by his spirit right now. Just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Come on. Come on. Get in the realm. Get in the realm of the spirit of God. Let the spirit of the Lord get your attention.